Matthew chapter 18, starting verse 21. Some of you are familiar with this. We're talking about forgiveness. We're in our vision series talking about uh, serve, save, shape our world through Jesus Christ. So we talked all of last month about serving our community. We're, we're acting that out in multiple ways. And you guys are serving so, uh, so well. This month we're talking about salvation and our, and our, how God saves us from our sins uh, and redeems us and sets us free and gives us eternal life, all those things. We're also talking about our part in it, how, how, we, how we fit into the plan that God has to save people. And so we're gonna talk about a little bit about what that looks like this morning. Matthew chapter 18, verse, start in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. I don't know about you, but that's big money now. That was giant amounts of money back then. 10,000 bags of gold. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called in the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart, father. Believe your word has the power to transform the way we think this morning. Lord, it could change our destiny today. We pray that it would do that. It would renew our minds. Lord, we pray that your gospel would reach more people because we gathered together today. And you equipped us. You taught us. You empowered us to do your will. Thank you for this moment. We pray that we take advantage of it. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This is a pretty well-known portion of scripture. Peter is coming to Jesus and uh, it was common in, in those days to forgive somebody about three times. And then like you, you've heard the term three strikes and you're out. Softball, it's two strikes because they put one on you to start with. Three strikes and you're out. So Peter's come asking Jesus, I don't know if he's trying to be pompous about it. He's just, hey, I'm paying attention. How many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? Seven? So he's increasing. 
Now, Jesus' response might have been a little shocking to Peter. He's, Jesus, in some translations, that's 70 times 7 or 77. It wasn't a number to be adhered to. It was hyperbole. It was the idea that, that you just keep forgiving. That disappointed some of you. Some of you are like 483 and you're like, dude, I got a couple more and this guy's out. He was essentially telling Peter, don't, don't count. Don't keep a record. First Corinthians, we learned that. What love is, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't count how many times you've forgiven somebody. It just keeps forgiving. And so that's what Jesus was trying to teach Peter in that moment. And so what Jesus would often do is he would, he would tell a truth and then tell a story to illustrate the truth. So he tells this story about a master who had servants and he was calling them to account. He must have put, them, put some credit out to them. And the servant in particular comes to him and he, he owes an astronomical amount. It's, it's, it's hard to fathom how you could get that far in debt. 10,000 bags of gold. So what you have to understand up front is that, is that this was, this part of the story is also a bit hyperbolic because nobody can pay that back. No one can pay that back. Jesus was telling a story to illustrate that this man owed a debt that he could never pay back, that it was impossible. And it, and it kind of ties into what we were saying last week that that you couldn't, you can't work your way into heaven. There's no, there's nothing, you can't be good enough. You can't work hard enough. You can't do enough good things. You can't pick up enough trash on route nine to get through the pearly gates. So Jesus is illustrating this by saying this guy had 10,000 bags of gold. And so everybody, Peter's sitting there like, boom, that's a lot. So initially the master says, well, you can't pay it back. We're going to throw you and your family. Uh, in prison, you and your family in prison. And um, Jesus is also illustrating there that without salvation, there is still a penalty that needs to be paid. So don't get confused because God forgives us that there's not a penalty that still had to be paid. That was paid through Jesus. And it's not that he's skipping over that part. Somebody has already paid it for us. We talked about that last week as well. So Jesus is illustrating to, to Peter, hey, listen, the, there was still a debt there. So, he, so he's going to throw them all in prison. So I don't know about you, but I'm sure I would have responded the same way this guy did. He just threw himself down at the mercy of the master. He started, the Bible says he starts begging him to let him go. And so he, he does find mercy in him, lets him go. And then the guy goes out and he does the exact thing that had happened to him, but he gives no mercy. So we're going to look into this a little bit this morning and see, um, and see what God has for us. I want to let you know right up front that you're not able to pay either. It's like, it's like going to a restaurant and eating more food than you can afford. Matter of fact, we just found out the other day, Chick-fil-A app will only let you spend 50 bucks a time. Did you even know that? <laughs> five people in our family. We all wanted milkshakes as well as meals. We are never able to pay. The servant ran up a debt. He didn't have enough reserves to pay for it. And, and the other thing is this, watch. 
one of the misnomers about our lives is we think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it even with God. Did you hear the argument the guy made? He said, wait a second. If you give me a shot, I'll work to pay it back. Like, like he's going to, like he's going to make a deal with God. The other thing I need you to realize is that, is that forgiveness is not something we negotiate for. Let me ask you this. You ever, maybe you do it now. I can remember being a teenager and, uh, and trying to make a deal with God. Let's make a deal. And I would say, God, if you do this for me, anybody ever do that? You're like, I did it last week, man. I was like, I got 50 bucks. If you'll do this for me, Lord, I'll put it all in the plate. <laughs> Let me say this. The irony here is that the guy had nothing to negotiate with, and yet he's still trying to negotiate. He had a debt that even if he threw him and all of his family and his kids and his kids' kids and the kids that weren't even born yet, and he threw the whole lineage in prison, they'd never be able to pay it back. His debt was so great that he couldn't affect any change, but yet he's still trying to negotiate. If you let me off, I'll pay you back. If you let me off, I'll pay you back. And we do that with God. We say, Lord, if you just give me a little bit this time, I'll make it up to you. What I want you to know right now is that God is not asking you to make it up to him. The reason he forgives you is because he wants to forgive you. Because you can't pay it back. It's like, Lord, I'm going to work the rest of my life as if there's an equality now. As if there's a, well, now we're on, now we're on even playing field because I did X, Y, and Z for you. I kept my end of the bargain. You keep your end of the bargain. We'll be just fine. No, no, no. God is the only one that ever keeps his end of the bargain. I don't know if you realize that. He's the only one that keeps his end of the bargain. Every deal I made with him as a teenager, I broke. Anyone else? Lord, if you let me go out with her. I'll serve you the rest of my life. First date. What? I don't go to church. What are you talking about? Church is stupid. It's, we're incapable of keeping it. But we owe so much that we've got to, there's got to be something done. So the guy throws himself at the mercy and then he tries to start negotiating. If you let me go, I'll pay you back. If you let me go, I'll pay you back. Let me go, I'll pay you back. And we have to understand that there is no negotiating with God. It's his grace alone, his mercy alone. And when the master wants to be merciful, he is. So he pours out his mercy on this guy and and it's immeasurable how much he let him off the hook for. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. I don't know about you, but I'd be standing up like, I don't know if you could hug him back then. I don't know if it was like separation. Like, I want to hug you, but I'm going to stay back. But you just let me off. Imagine getting a life sentence and you were guilty. Here's something I need to convince you of this morning for us to go forward. He wasn't letting him off because he found out it wasn't his debt. He was letting him off even though he knew it was his debt. So it's not like you going to... to to jail and finding out that you were innocent, it's them letting you out of jail even though they knew you were guilty. That's the unimaginable part here. You owed it, but I'm going to overlook it. 
I'm going to write it off. I'm going to, I'm going to decide to forgive it. So he forgives the guy, forgives the guy. Guy walks out and I don't really know the time span. It would be really neat if it was like walking down the steps and he starts choking some dude. That'd be a good story. I have to imagine it probably doesn't happen that way with you. You're nice people. Most of you. Let let me tell you how it happens with me. I have been forgiven so much over the years. But what happens when you're a recipient of God's grace and and you respond to God's grace, you start to act better, don't you? I I would hope you would. The things you used to do, you don't do anymore. All of you are like, what? No, I still do all that. Now, the things you used to do, you don't do anymore. So what happens is God's grace has shepherded you into becoming more like Christ. So the things that you used to do when you were, when you were that age, you don't do anymore. You, Paul would kind of phrase it like this, that you stopped drinking milk and you started eating meat. You, the gospel has gotten in you and, you and it started to affect your life. And so you're a different person than you used to be. The problem is, is now there's distance between you when you were forgiven. Now there's a distance between it. Some of us have really short memories. You could be forgiven, walk out and choke somebody in a minute. Others of you, it's taken a while. It takes me a while. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to lash out. But what happens is I'll forget how much he paid for me. I'll forget how much he wrote off for me because after all, I'm acting better than I used to. What he's got to forgive me for now is not anything compared to what he had to forgive me for then. So I start measuring how much God's got to put out on my behalf. And I'm like, well, I'm doing a lot better. So I forget the extent of his grace back then. And so I'm less willing now to give it to others. Do you see how that works? Distance causes me to forget how the grace operated in my life. So if I'm far enough from grace... I can have an excuse to be critical. Yeah. Not you, me. This sermon is just about me this morning. I don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want to make, I don't want you to analyze yourself. This is just about me. What happens is this. I will forget that God forgave me of the same thing I'm now pointing out in someone else's life. That's what happened here, wasn't it? The irony is, I'll forget that what I did was worse than what they're doing. (laughs) Because they didn't know me back then, and I'm not going to tell them. And they'll say, well, you're the, well, he's the pastor of the church. He doesn't do anything bad. He's a, you know, you know, everything's going well. Everything's great for him. And I'll be like, yeah, and you're a sinner. Let's just get this straight, get this, get the playing field right. We need to know where we stand. I'm on the stage and you're not. And I was forgiven a long time ago for minuscule little things, not what you've done. But I'm going to tell you something. There's not a stage high enough to get you away from how much God has paid for you. 
There's not a stage high enough. There's not a crowd clapping hard enough. If you will take 30 seconds to look back and see the grace that he's constantly poured out on your life, you'll let off the guy's neck. Because what happens is the distance sometimes causes us to forget how much he forgave us. Because after all, I'm not yelling at my kids anymore. After all, I'm not arguing with my wife like I used to. After all, I'm not clubbing like I used to. After all, I'm not doing the things. I'm not stealing. I'm not, I'm not fornicating. I'm not doing the things I used to do. There's been some distance between my forgiveness, so now I can start to be critical. So the guy walks out of the building. At the end of the day, he's choking somebody for a fraction of what he was forgiven for. It's fascinating, isn't it? You know what's funny? I can do that with my kids because they weren't around when I grew up. They weren't at the football games with me. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't follow me around. All they know is what I tell them. And I tell them, I grew up in church. You figure out what that means. <laughs> it came up, to, it snuck up on me last year. We went to a WV football game. And um, we're just walking through the cesspool and uh, <laughs> trying to get to the stadium. And um, I'm looking over my son and I, I'm trying to do the dad thing, not, not, be a killjoy, but at least give him some context. And so I'm having this conversation with like, Hey man, you don't have to, you don't have to do this to have fun. And he looks over at me as if he was there. And he said, didn't you party when you were this age? And I went, shut your mouth. You disrespect me like that. You must be crazy. I looked over him and I said, yeah, but look what it got me. It got me a great wife, a great family. It got me a great church. Wow. Didn't that turn out well? No, 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 no. I said, Carter, listen, I struggled that whole season of my life. And I think God's grace has better for you. It was a struggle. You weren't there. It was a struggle. Disappointing my parents so much, ruined relationships. It was just all, it wasn't good. I was, we were able to have that conversation and he just was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, don't be stupid. So I say all that to say this. I could be so hard on them because I forget how much I was forgiven. And we can have our family by the neck because we forget that we were 16 and an idiot. We can, we can have relationships by the neck because we forget that God's grace was poured out on you at a point in your life when you couldn't pay it back even if, you, even if they said you could go on payment plans. Even if you did a Kmart layaway, you couldn't have made it happen. So every time that I feel the urge to go like this, I remember, oh man, amazing grace. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm I was blind, but now I see. 
And I think God, give them a chance. Let them show them, show them through me. Now, the problem is that story didn't end that way. This guy chokes the dude out, rear naked choke, right back. You're paying me the hundred pieces of silver, fraction of what he was forgiven for. You're going to pay me. And he, he takes him to court. You're going to pay me. You're going to pay me. You're going to pay me. Here's the problem though. There's always more people watching you give out grace than when you receive it. Do you realize that? So the man who received grace, he just goes up in front of the master and I don't know how many people are in there, but it doesn't say there's, doesn't say there was a big old Colosseum of people and nobody really makes a big deal about it except him. So he, he is receiving grace and mercy, grace and mercy in, in an immeasurable way. And, and he walks out and there's an audience when he has an opportunity to give it. Now the Bible says that he, that people will know that we love him by how we treat each other. I tell my kids all the time, your family act like it. I told them that on vacation. Like, why do we have to correct each other? You're all wrong. (laughs) I think that was a legitimate conversation. Your family act like it. Well, how do they know you're a Jones? Because you act like it. How do they know you're my kid? Because you act like it. How do they know that, that, that you've grown up in a good Christian home? Because you. So how do, the, how do people know you're forgiven? Because you. Because when there's no audience, many of you are forgiven in the privacy of your home. Many of you are forgiven driving down the street. Many of you are forgiven when you, just, when you just turned around and nobody even knew you were praying. And you went, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I don't know how to do this, but I need your grace in my life. But when you turn around and have the opportunity to give it out, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching now. Oh, we'll see what he does with this. As soon as he lashed his hands around the guy's neck, the crowd went, "Mm mm-hmm. Figures. He's just as unforgiving as he was the day he was forgiven. What happens? They run back and tell on him. You know what the most detrimental, detrimental thing to churches today is? Unforgiveness. Because you know what the community around the church likes to talk about? How unforgiving the church is. Oh, they're watching how we treat each other. But I'm thankful. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. That this church has learned how to just forgive and love on each other. And just, I don't, I don't have to agree with you to forgive you. You can still be wrong. <laughs> so let me do this. I think uh, the crazy part is I think that was close to the end of my sermon. Now watch, I did shorten it up for this purpose. I need to let you in a little bit on how my mind works in sermon preparation, all that stuff. I think about sermons all the time, all the time. Everything's going to be a sermon, everything. I'll be riding down the road thinking, oh, that could be a good sermon. And so when I'm preparing for a sermon, everything I think about, I'm trying to figure out, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. How do I weave that in there? Oh, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, I'm praying. And, and, and so it just morphs it, its way in through the week. I'm writing, jotting stuff down and taking stuff. But what, what I do that may be unconventional is I will, 
I have to spend time Saturday night looking at this. Uh, many of you, uh, some of you have made the comment that like, I don't look at my notes very often. That's because this thing's been in me for a long time. So it's not, I didn't just download it on the internet, which would be a lot easier. So, um, so it's just part, it's my thought process for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So, but what I do is I sit down Saturday night. Sometimes I'll do it really late at night. So when I, when I get up, it's boom, it's still there. And that happened today. I'm in the laundry room. Um, I iron my own clothes. It's the least I could do. So I'm in the laundry room. I got to iron out. I got this shirt. I'm thinking I could use a little starch. I get in the cabinet, get the starch out, spray the starch. I'm ironing and I'm going back over it again. I just left it Saturday night. I'm going back over it and like, yeah, you can't negotiate. You got no ground to negotiate. Yeah, you, the distance will cause you to forget the grace. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I'm praying. I'm listening. got my little Hillsong thing going on my phone. I'm flipping the shirt. I didn't hear God audibly, but I know what it sounds like. Anyway, you missed something. I went, dude, it's late. It's a little, it's a little late now. I mean, I'm like I'm ironing the shirt. I've already did my slides. I've already typed the notes. It's late. And he said, no, 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 you missed something. You need to go back and look at it again. I'm pretty smart, God. I think I covered it all. It's late. Uh, how many of you like, like winning? Raise your hand if you just, I mean, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. Um, we've been business owners for a while and, and we've, we've, we've done some other things outside the church. We've had some rentals and stuff like that. And, and, um, I, I like to know what I'm doing. And I'll be honest with you, one of my faults is I like it to look like I know what I'm doing. Anybody else in the house like that? Like, you don't want to look like an idiot. Here he comes. <laughs> Pretty clueless, but he's a nice guy. <laughs> I need you to go back with me to, um, to the beginning of the story when the master calls the servant in and says, hey, you owe 10000 bags of gold. And he calls him in. The guy throws himself at the mercy of the master and the master writes it off. Now, that's a giant amount of money. Now, I need to explain to you what didn't happen. Anybody ever been in a convenience store, saw a guy's picture up the wall and it had a bad check and it was like, thief? Anybody ever seen that? That's not forgiveness. Trust me, that's not forgiveness. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to advertise this guy for the rest of our existence that he's no good and won't pay his bills. The master didn't hand this, didn't go, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to hand you over to a credit agency and we'll let you work it out with him. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He wrote it off. Forgiven. You don't owe it anymore. I'll take the loss. I'll take the hit. 10,000 bags of gold. I'll, I'll eat it. And you know what God said to me? He said, 
Chris, sometimes you don't forgive people because it looks like you're losing. And I went, you could have gave me that at the beginning of the week. (laughs) Sometimes you don't forgive people because it doesn't make sense business-wise. Sometimes you don't forgive people because if you sit down at the table and and you tell people that you forgive somebody, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? You took a huge hit there. That wasn't necessary. And then I started thinking about this. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, it looked like he lost. I mean, Peter's swinging, stupid fisherman trying to swing a sword around like he's Zorro or something and cuts a guy's ear off. I mean, how do you miss a guy's head and only hit his ear? Did you ever think about that? He wasn't trying to cut his ear off. He was just that bad with a sword. Looks like he's losing in the garden. He doesn't even defend himself in the trial. Looks like he's losing. He gets beat beyond recognition. Looks like he's losing. He's so physically brutalized that he can't even carry his own cross. They hang him on it. And he says, Father, forgive him. In any one of our accounts, we would call that losing. If you were standing at the cross that day, you would be baffled that he was losing. Even the Roman guard said, hey, listen, if you're who you say you are, call the angels down. Have them come lift you up. You could win this. And he didn't. He just put his head down. He said, it's finished. And I can't imagine anybody walked away that day feeling like they had won. And so some of us A-type personalities that need to be the front of the game all the time and need to look like you know what you're doing, need to look like you're winning all the time, need to look like you've got the upper hand all the time. Sometimes forgiveness looks like you lost because you had to write it off. You couldn't come back and depreciate what, you just had to go, nope, it's done. I can't hang the guy's check on the wall. I can't put his picture up. I just have to forgive him of this thing. I can't bring it up. Hey, listen, I forgave him, but he's a dirtbag. I'll stay away from him, you know. I forgave him. And when the master forgave him, he was the one taking the hit, not that guy. And so we have to be aware that when you say, I forgive you, sometimes it looks like you lose. Sometimes your friends aren't going to understand. Sometimes your advocates won't understand. I can imagine Peter standing at the fire, warming himself with the other people accusing him, looking over at Jesus and saying, why doesn't he just do something? Because he's forgiven everybody. And sometimes that doesn't look like winning. <laughs> Until the third day. And here's what I want to convince you. The band's going to come. Stand to your feet. Here's what I want to convince you of this morning. God's got a different definition of winning. In softball, we may say no mercy, drive him into the ground. In God's economy, he says winning. Wait a second. I seem to remember some scriptures about that. If you want to be first in the kingdom, you have to be last in line. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be the servant. 
So he says, if you want to look like you're winning at the end, you should lay it down now. Because the only way Christ could be resurrected is if it looked like he lost for three days. But then what we talked about last week, the great power and love of God pulsed through the broken body of Jesus. And the Bible says that power raised him from the dead. So my, my, my advice to you today is go ahead and lose for the sake of winning. Don't let your pride keep you from saying, I'm sorry. Don't let your pride keep you from forgiving. Don't, don't let having to look like you got it all together keep you from writing off somebody's debt. Don't let it keep you anymore. Just go, look, if it, if it looks, if nobody understands, that's fine. God will resurrect it. If, it look, if nobody agrees with that's fine. God will resurrect it. If, if it looks like I'm losing in the moment, I'm fine with it. Because every time it looked like God lost, power could raise him up. And the Bible says that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And God did not create you to stay a loser. If people label you that, well, they just, people run over them. They're no, okay. I'm just forgiving people. That's what I know how to do. I'm just forgiving people. And if it looks like I'm down for a while, that's fine. God has the power to raise me up. God has the power to raise me up. So can we pray that way this morning? I don't know who it is in your family. I don't know who it is in your life. I don't know who it is, but I bet you there's somebody you need to extend grace to today. I bet you're somebody. And I bet you molded around in your head. How could I, how could I do this in a way that it, that it doesn't look like I'm just giving in? Maybe it's been a long spat. Maybe it's been a long disagreement and you know you're right. Maybe you got to look like you lose a little bit for God to resurrect the relationship. Maybe you got to look like you lose a little bit for God to, to resurrect the family, to resurrect the business, to resurrect a neighbor, to resurrect something that is worth way more than my pride. Can we pray that way this morning? Come on all across the building. Father, we thank you that you've forgiven us more than we could ever imagine. We thank you that that there's no limit to what you will forgive us, but we pray that we would always remember how great that forgiveness is. And Lord, we pray today. Lord, you give us the strength to pour that same grace out on the people around us, our families, our friends, Lord, people we work with that, that Lord, when the audience is looking at us, they just, just see your grace coming out. Lord, even if it looks like we're not succeeding in the moment, even if it looks like we're losing, even if it looks like we're being taken advantage of, I pray that your grace would be enough. I pray that we could extend forgiveness anyway. I pray that we could, we could follow you in your example. And our confidence is this, Lord, that if we will make the sacrifice, then you will raise it up. So, Lord, we forgive today. We just write it off. We don't count it against them anymore. We say it's done. And we pray right now that you begin to resurrect those relationships. We pray that you begin to resurrect those families, resurrect those neighbors, Lord, resurrect those people. 
And God, we pray that there be relationships restored and healed and mended for the glory of your name. And we pray, Lord, that it will be the testimony of everybody that witnesses it. Those people know how to give grace. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us, God. And we adore you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, could you honor and praise him one more time? He's good. Amen? Hey, listen, forgive somebody on your way out. Encourage them. We'll see you back here next week.